Last week, we wrapped up a three-week teaching series called Mood Swingers. And if you haven't uh, listened to last week's message, I strongly encourage you to do that. We taught on beating burnout. And, um, you know, we identify that burnout is, is a 21st century pandemic in Western countries and followers of Jesus Whilst we're not immune to it, it's not actually his best for us. And so we taught it on that. We actually prayed for people and uh, sharing with Baden. We grabbed a coffee during the week and we both identified that there was a shift that took place. There was something profound that God did in people that actually said, you know what, I'm feeling a bit burnt out. And uh, God can actually help turn that around. So I encourage you to, to jump on our podcast and get a hold of that. I finished the message last week with this startling announcement, somewhat controversial, some may say, that Christmas, which is coming up, 25th, next month, is all about Jesus. It was shocking, sacrilegious, blasphemous. How dare I? Isn't Christmas about family? No, no, Christmas is about Jesus. And we celebrate him sometimes with family. Isn't Christmas about presents. No, Christmas is about Jesus and we celebrate him by sharing gifts with one another. Oh, huh. This is news to some people and this isn't what you're going to see on the Target commercials. This isn't what you're going to get poked in, uh, in the catalog in your junk mail. Uh, Cole's uh, you know, catalog saying, shop with us. It's all about Jesus and, and some fruit mince pies as well. You know, it, This is one of the few places you and I are going to hear that Christmas is all about Jesus. So we're doing this really genius thing that in the lead up to Christmas, we're going to talk about Jesus. It's genius. It's the genius of Mark right there. But we're not going to talk about the genius of Mark. But the genius of Mark is we're going to talk about the genius of Jesus. Now, this week one, I want to swing the mood a little I want to talk about tests. Now, how many of you in school, some of you in school, still in school, I know, how many of you in school or when you were in school were really bad at taking tests? Just, you know, okay, yeah. You know, you, you're the one that, that, that um, you came home and mum said, how did the tests go? You said, I knew all the information, I'm just not very good at tests, right? That's cool, it's fine, no, I'm not judging you. The people that are judging you, how about you put your hands up if you were really good at taking tests? Yeah, see, we hate you. See, you were the person that would turn up to school in the morning and and 10 minutes into the class, you said, Miss, Miss, didn't you say we were taking a test today? Yeah, 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 you're that guy. (laughs) Whilst we may not all like taking tests, how many of you prefer buying things and using things that have been tested? Yeah. How many of you are glad, you know, know, just this, you can answer this internally from, I'll ask you a few questions, but how how many of you are glad that the brakes on your car were tested before you bought it? How many of you, how many of you are glad that, that other drivers on the road get tested before they get their license? How many of you think some of them should be retested? How many of you are glad that the pilot on the plane you're flying on was tested? He wasn't just like, oh, let's give this a go. I wonder what this does. Tested. Remember sitting 
years ago when I was much younger and much stupider, sitting in an airport boarding gate area, waiting to get on my plane. You know, they say boarding time, so, you know, like, you look at your watch, right? You look at, why would you do that? <laughs> They'll call you, and you have no influence, so just like when they call, you don't even have to have a watch. But anyway, checking time, checking time, boarding time, and then, and then you hear this announcement. Uh, passengers in uh, gate uh, 15, I'm afraid that uh, boarding has been delayed uh, whilst our engineers uh, review the plane and um, check over some particular aspects of the, the, the aircraft. Years ago, that announcement really ticked me off. Like, really? Like, uh, now that I'm a little bit older and a little bit wiser, I'm like, engineers, take all the time you need. <laughs> How many of you are glad that the doctor you go to see got tested? You know, he didn't just like, well, I'm, I think I'm just going to help some people. He just, you know, opened up a surgery and, uh, oh, scalpel, wonder what this does. Seems to be a lot of blood everywhere. The, the, the medicine that your doctors prescribe has been tested. A couple of weeks ago, I needed some long overdue new contact lenses and some longer overdue new glasses. So I went to Specsavers, as the commercial told me I should, and uh, booked the, the appointment with the optometrist and walked up to the counter. And Michelle, who's, is, is her name, say, oh, hi, Michelle, uh, I need some new contact lenses and some new glasses. Michelle did not say, mm, mm, contact lenses, contact lenses, there you go, and uh, glasses. I'm pretty sure we've got some around here. There you go. See how those go for you. Michelle, no, instead took me into her little lab and put me through a lot of testing. But I'm glad that Michelle tested me before she gave me a particular set of contact lenses. And so were you because you... Heard me preach when I couldn't read my notes. It was very silly. Let me show you something startling. There's a guy named David. Uh, he went on to become the king of Israel. Pretty famous in his time, pretty famous still in this time. And in fact, uh, it's prayers and songs that he wrote are now recorded in, in the Bible in what we call the book of Psalms. And often they were just David with strumming, playing some instruments, singing songs, uh, some of them were happy songs. Some of them were not so happy songs. Some of them were quite light. Some of them were very, very serious. Some of them were sort of instructive. Some of them were just kind of celebrating. Well, in one of these songs, these psalms, David wrote something that, it, to me, it's, it's, it's incredibly confronting. This is what he wrote. Words to God. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. Here's a question. When was the last time you asked God to test you? Emailed him an invitation. God, got something I need you to do. Put me through a test. But we don't, typically. And yet, here we have David actually pleading not just suggesting, not just you know, politely requesting British style, but pleading with God, test me, search my heart. So, so what is it that David knows that maybe any one of us who, who maybe avoids being tested by God maybe hasn't quite figured out yet? And, and I think it's, it's this very simple 
truth that what is tested can be trusted. Those chairs you're sitting on, you did not bring in your, your scales and your calipers and your, and your pressure meters. You just walked in and you sat on them, assuming, rightly so by the way, that they've been tested. We've just ordered new chairs. They should be arriving tomorrow, by the way, little bit of breaking news. Before we ordered them, we, we, we ensured that the warehouse that they come from puts them through testing, including, and I'm not looking at anybody when I say this, the weight specifications of how much they can handle. I really wasn't looking at anybody. But what that means is probably they'll be here next Sunday and probably you can just walk in and sit on them. You don't have to, because here's the thing, what is tested can be trusted. And, and this is the thing, if we don't understand this, then, then we can be tempted to play duck and cover with God. Oh crap, there's a test coming. I'm out of here. God's running towards me. I'm running the other way. But if we know that what is tested can be trusted, then I would say to us, don't, not only don't run from God when he wants to test you, say to him, yeah, bring it. Because what's tested can be trusted. And if we play duck and cover when the tests come, we will not grow, period. Preparing this message uh, this week took me back 4,000 years to when I was in year 12. Um, and uh, when I was in year 12, some of you will track with me, here in WA, we had, end of year 12, we had these exams called TAE, Tertiary Admissions Examination. Back in those days, you had to take six subjects and your aggregated score for those six subjects, um, you had to take a three-hour exam at the end of year 12. Having studied that course for two years, each of the six subjects, take a three-hour exam, your, your, your score was tallied up across the six subjects, and you were given a number. And based on that number, it determined whether you were accepted into certain courses at institutes of higher learning. Now, I wanted to study at University of Western Australia, the course I wanted to study. They give a minimum figure, and you have to get above that bar. And quite frankly, that whole system is not good because you have six times three hours, 18 hours, in the course of a two-week two period of time to take these exams, and your entire destiny was on the line. For 18 hours, the course you were going to get into or not, therefore the career you were going to be able to aspire to and enjoy or not, 18 hours it came down to. If you were lousy at tests, your future was not bright. Um, and, and, and the thing I, I, I really, apart from I think it, it was a little unfair to put all of one's eggs in one's baskets, um, actually wasn't, it actually was more a test of memory than a test of understanding and application. I asked Louie, my wife, who works at a high school now, you know, tell me about the system as it is now. And she started telling me. 
and my eyes just closed over. I didn't understand a word of what the like. So, 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 so my system that I went through was much simpler, but it wasn't very effective because the real test is understanding and application. The real test is in the everyday, not in the three hours in a high school gymnasium. The genius of Jesus is that he's all about the everyday testing. He's not just about this one moment in history that we must pass or not. He's about the everyday testing. Jesus, the genius of Jesus is that he's interested in how you love your spouse every day. He's interested in how you handle your money every day. He's interested in how you raise your kids every day. He's interested in how you relate with him every day. That's the genius of Jesus. Now, I grew up in the Catholic church. I was an altar boy once upon a time. Some of you just checked out right there. Um, Yes, I wore a dress and all that. Um, A man dress, baby. Um, And uh, grew up in the Catholic church, and then in my mid-20s, I I switched... um, streams to what's called an evangelical church. Don't get too hung up. There's not going to be a test about that. But um, one of, the, one of the, the, the differences, one of the key differences, there's a few, but one of the key differences from the Catholic church to the evangelical church, the Catholic church, you just are. You, you kind of, you, you are a Catholic. You, you, you're born and you say, I'm a Catholic. When the census comes around every few years, you tick the box, Catholic. You may never have even gone to a Catholic church, but probably you went through a few of the rituals growing up. Sure, cool. So that's good. Just kind of, you just are. Your parents were, you are, your kids will probably be. Um, with the evangelical church, the, 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 one of the differences is, is, is the teaching that, that you and I, at the age, whatever, you know, the age, age of understanding, Okay, and, and beyond. At some point, Jesus would want us to make a personal decision, a moment in time, to, to make him our Lord, to put our faith in him. And by the way, we're going to give you an opportunity later on to make that decision yourself if you haven't already. And, and I know many of you have. That's one of the things. You, 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 you don't just kind of get born a, a Christian. This is where the, the term born again, we don't use that. It's a bit weird. But, but, but so, so here's what I was taught, right? Mid-20s, switch streams, get into the evangelical church. I was taught what's kind of called the sinner's prayer, right? I was taught to say it, and I did, and I was taught to help other people say it, and I, I got good at it. And, and you kind of memorized it. So, so it was the idea that you're having a conversation with somebody that's not yet made a decision to, to play, make Jesus Lord of their life, and you would say to them, do you want to make that decision now? And they, if they say yes, uh, you know, you could pray this, this prayer, this, this sinner's prayer. But, but the lead up, whether it was a one-on-one conversation, it might even be something you'd say if you were preaching. The lead up words that, that I learned was this. If, if you were to die tonight, right? And it's kind of weird to me that nobody ever died in the daytime. If, it, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you'd go? Right? That was, the, that, was, that was the question, and if, they were, if someone went, uh, then you'd start telling them about heaven and hell and how Jesus made a way for us to get into heaven, which is good, right? How many of you are glad that, 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 that he did that? Yeah, right. Me too. Fantastic. And it's actually a super important question. You know, if you put your faith in Jesus because of what he did, you'll have a ticket to heaven. 
So it's an important question to answer. And by the way, you can say no. No, I don't want to put my faith in Jesus. That's an answer. Personally, I don't think it's a very good answer, but it's, it is an answer. You, you, you may, you know, people answer the question one way or the other. There's no maybe. So it's an important question. But, but I was kind of taught that that was about it. And what I've since discovered, the genius of Jesus is not just about preparing us for when we die. The genius of Jesus is teaching us how to live while we're still here. That's the genius of Jesus. The best way to live every day. He's not just our ticket into heaven. He's our teacher for life on earth. Not just an afterlife savior. Jesus is a real life savior. He's both. And that's the genius of Jesus. And so the test question becomes, not simply is Jesus Lord over your death, but is he also Lord over your everyday life? And that's an everyday test question. Not just will I enter heaven when I die, but will I follow Jesus every day while I live? That's the genius of Jesus. And I've personally come to discover that Jesus' teaching isn't just the right way to live. He's not just a moral teacher, as some people try to shrink wrap him down to. Jesus' teaching isn't just the right way to live. I'll tell you from experience, he's actually the best way to live. And I wasn't the first one to stumble across this. Um, Jesus preached this message. It's become known as the Sermon on the Mount. I referenced it last week. It was because it was a sermon. Don't call it that. And it was on a mount. Hence, Sermon on the Mount. All right, whatever. This is a message on a stool, but we don't call it that. All right. Anyway. Remember that moment in history when Mark preached the message on the stool? Jesus preached this message, the Sermon on the Mount, and, and it's so famous that it's actually a lot of what he taught has become common vernacular, even in, in unchurched circles. Such profound truths as blessed are the coffee makers, for they bring a cup of heaven to earth every day. Jesus said that, and we now quote him. It's amazing. So he preached this message, and Matthew recorded it. Luke, Luke another dude, recorded it. Matthew recorded it. This is what Matthew said happened at the end of Jesus preaching this Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus concluded his address, people didn't say, oh, thank God that's over. Oh, the crowd burst into applause, not because it's over. You understand? They had never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying. It's a pretty high bar to get over. Quite a contrast to their religion teachers. Burn. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. That's pretty, pretty impressive praise, right? Props to Jesus, I say. See, it's not that... When other people taught, nobody listened. They listened, but when Jesus taught, people came alive. There was, a whole, there was something else going on. And, and I want to drill into one of the things I think that distinguishes Jesus' teaching from all others. There's not just one. I could talk about the authority in his teaching. You know, the, the word authority is, comes from the same root word as the word author. So, 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 of course, Jesus taught with authority because what he taught, he actually wrote. Because he was God. So he, wasn't, he, didn't, he didn't have to 
kind of say, God said, he, he says, I say, ta-da. It's like, that's cool. He's cut out the middleman. How awesome. So he, he, he taught with authority, right? Fantastic. He taught with power. It's handy when you're God that you've got pew, 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 power. Now, by the way, we have access to that same power now. But the people at this time didn't have access to that power. Didn't even know you could. Jesus came, said, when I go, I'll send you my Holy Spirit and my Holy Spirit will live in you. And by the way, that same Holy Spirit that lives in you is the same Spirit that's gonna raise me from the dead. So the things that I've done, you'll actually be able to do. In fact, Jesus said, we'll be able to do even greater than what he did. So I expect a lot of applause at the end of this sermon on the stool. All right? So I could teach about Jesus' authority. I could teach about Jesus' power. I wanna teach instead, just choose one. I think one of the key aspects of the genius of Jesus' teaching is simplicity. At this point when Jesus came, the religious leaders, who the people were used to hearing the teaching from, they had put layers of complexity into the system that the average person was shut out. They didn't understand. Um, People couldn't access the heart of God. You know, rules and policies, they actually start with a purpose. Like there's a heart, there's an intent. But, but, but if they get into the wrong hands, bureaucrats, ooh, um, the actual rules become the objective. And, and it's like, no, 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 no. We don't serve the rules. The rules are there to serve the objective. Don't ever lose sight of the objective. Well, by the time Jesus had come, there were 613 rules in place. And the religious leaders had started to put the focus on the rules and take the focus off the objective, which ultimately was to access the heart of God. But because of the complexity, the average person was locked out. Jesus simplified things. Let me give you one example. Classic. Wish I'd been there. Fantastic. Glad somebody wrote it down. A group of people come up to Jesus and asked him a question. It was kind of tricksy, right? 613 commandments, right? Tried to trick him, said, uh, said Jesus, uh, just like you to weigh in on something here. You know, of the 613 rules, you want to go out on a limb here and tell us, you know, maybe just kind of which ones are the most important? Jesus said, easy. Love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. This is the most important, the first on any list. You know, I teach people that, 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 that God's word, the Bible, it's all true, but it's not all equally important. And that's when some churches kick me out. That's when some churches, a light bulb goes on. They're not equally important. Jesus ranked the 613. He said, they may be all true, but they're not all equally important. So focus the priorities on the most important ones. And the most important one, first on any list. Love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. Well, that sounds simple. Huh. Anything to add? Oh yeah, there's a second along, alongside it. Not, it's like, there's like the top two, but they're kind of like both number one. Love others as well as you love yourself. Well, I can understand that. 
sounds simple. These two commandments are pegs. Everything in God's law and the prophets hangs from them. Now, I wasn't there, but I found myself wondering. The people that asked the question, and Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your passion, your prayer, and intelligence, and, uh, and, and also, equally important, uh, love others as you love yourself. I wonder if they were waiting for him to go on. Huh? Huh? Okay. I, I wonder if they were waiting for him to bring the deep teaching. Because all he did at that moment was bring the simple stuff, right? I, I just wonder. Jesus, yeah, love God, love people, all right? Now, hit us with the deep stuff. And, and it seems to me that it doesn't get any deeper than that. Love God with everything you got and love people with everything you got. Occasionally, I'll find myself in a conversation with somebody that says they, they, they left the church or, or thinking of leaving a church because they're not getting the deep teaching. Never happens here, of course. Obviously. Um, and I have a stock response. I've been doing this a while. I just give a stock response. I push back. I push back, I ask two questions. Well, they're not really questions. They're kind of like bitch slaps, you know, like, you're an idiot. You need to hear this. First of all, what you need to hear is you're, com you're confusing deep and complicated. You think just because you can understand the teaching, it mustn't be deep. Why would Jesus have ever bothered to bring teaching that was so complicated that nobody could understand it? The whole thing about Jesus, not just the genius of Jesus' teaching, we just took corporate communion together to celebrate the genius, the whole genius of Jesus, was that he took the good stuff. Actually, that's not true. He took the best stuff. And he took it off the highest shelf. He took the most precious, the most valuable, the highest stuff. By the way, that's him. And put it on the lowest shelf so that we could access it. Him. We have access to the Son of God. He didn't just stay up in heaven while we're going to hell and go, nah, 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 nah. you can't get me. I'm out of reach. He said, you can't get me. I am out of reach, but here's the genius of me. I'm coming to get you. I'm gonna live next to you. I'm gonna walk with you. I'm gonna do life with you. You're gonna be able to access me. Pretty genius, huh? It's pretty cool. And, and, and not just embody taking the highest value stuff off the highest shelf and putting it on the low shelf. See, it doesn't devalue Jesus taking him off the high shelf and putting him on the low shelf. It's the very fact that he has value that, that makes it so critical that he's accessible. You guys tracking with this? They, they, they just discovered the biggest diamond in 130 years in Botswana. Do you know that that diamond, it's like this big, right? Do you know that diamond had zero value when it was in the ground, undiscovered, unaccessible? You understand? 
Its value is in its access. If Jesus' teaching was so complicated that nobody could understand it, then it's got no value, right? Because if we can't understand it, we can't be held responsible to actually do it. But the value, the power isn't just in the understanding, the power is in the doing. And so here's the thing. If you're sitting and, and, and someone's preached for 30 minutes and you at the end of it turn to your spouse and you say, wow. Wow. Honey, <laughs> man, how deep was that? I didn't understand a single thing he said. You didn't just listen to deep teaching, you listened to complicated teaching. Don't confuse deep and complicated. Jesus was deep and simple. The other thing I say to the occasional person that I have this stock conversation with is I say, um, you know, because they, they, they believe me and, you know, do everything I say, right? Like everyone. They're like, deep, complicated, all right. What else you got? So, so because if, if you understand it, then, then, then we can be held accountable to actually do it, right? But, but that's not Jesus with the principle stick in his hand waiting for us to screw it up. That's Jesus saying, I want you to get this. I want you to do this. The power's not in the knowing. The power's in the doing. It starts in the knowing. You've got to understand it. That's why I keep it simple. Simple, not complicated. Simple and deep. But, but, but understanding Jesus' teaching is, is only the first bit of the genius. The second bit of the genius is, in, is actually in the doing. Jesus, I say to these, these occasional people, you're confusing deep and complicated. The other thing is I think you're confusing deep and easy. Jesus' teaching is deep and simple. Jesus' teaching is also simple, but not easy. Ah, okay, I'm mean, going to say that again. I'm seeing a lot, a lot of people. You guys are really smart. I know that. But I'm just, for the couple of people that didn't quite follow, let me say that again. Jesus' teaching, if you say it louder, it makes it easy to understand. Jesus' teaching! There's a guy, oh no, don't, no. sorry podcast listeners, I was about to go down a very unnecessary dark passageway then. Um, Jesus' teaching was simple and deep. Okay, everyone follow? Deep, huh? And, right, Jesus' teaching was simple and deep, but... Let's just call it like it is. Not necessarily easy. Easy to understand because it's simple, but the, the test isn't in the understanding. In fact, there's no test about understanding because it's simple. Love God, love people. Oh, damn it, I understand that. It means I have to go and do it. Yeah, that's the hard part, the doing. So I say to people, I think you're confusing deep and complicated but here's the other thing. Before you get onto the deep stuff, have you mastered the simple stuff yet? So, gosh, okay. 
So say, for example, you, you're in grade one, primary school, and uh, the teacher says to you, okay, kids, today we're going to learn science. And you go, oh, science. What's that? And the teacher says, okay, I'm going to teach you about gravity. But they don't say gravity because you're only in grade one. So they keep it simple. So I'll teach you this, this science, science stuff, right? Wait, watch this, watch this, watch this. This is a tennis ball. Watch this, watch, 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 watch this, watch this. Watch what happens. What? None of you know what's happening. You're never going to guess what happens when I let go of this tennis ball. Oh, I know, oh, I know. It's going to fall. It's going to fall. Yeah, it's going to fall. Awesome. You know, kids, that's called gravity. Now, tomorrow, when you turn up to class, teacher says, hey, kids, hey, remember this ball from yesterday? Yeah. Remember, remember, remember we learned a little lesson about science? Yeah. Remember, it was about what happens when I let go of it? What happens? What happens? It drops. It drops. And, and what's that called? Gravity. It's cool, right? But imagine if Sheldon Cooper came in to that grade one class to teach a little bit of science, right? And, 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 and he's so dedicated to physics and, and that, that he teaches these kids for the whole seven hours of that day. And then they go home and mom says, oh, what'd you learn today, Junior? <sighs> if there was a test the following day that Sheldon set, And Junior got zero for that test. Can we really blame Junior? No, because it it wasn't simple. It was complicated. I think I made my point, right? None of you are ever going to walk up to me and say, you're not bringing deep teaching now. Well, you, you can, but this is what I'll tell you. Spare both of us. All right. You got my new iPad stand? It's a, it was a birthday gift last week. I said I was going to wear it as a nose ring, but I couldn't quite get it to stick, and Garrett said that's probably going to be distracting. Such a wet blanket. Sorry, podcast listeners. Final thought. We've already been saying the same thing all morning. We've sung about it. Pete shared some thoughts around corporate communion about it. I've already started talking about it. The, the, the genius of Jesus. I use the word simplicity. I, I, I was kind of, it was kind of a coin toss this week whether you use the word simplicity or accessibility. Kind of both rings true and there's a lot of overlap. Let's just push the teaching of Jesus aside to one second. genius of Jesus, and this is Christmas, the simple message of Christmas is that Jesus became accessible, God became accessible, and it's pretty cool, we're going we're gonna to be celebrating that, we'll be preaching about on the 20th, having a weekend called Twas the Weekend Before Christmas preaching about the announcement of Jesus' birth to Mary 
from Mary's point of view. Message is called, there's been a change of plans. Angel turns up and says to Mary, who's engaged to be married, sweetheart, there's been a change of plans. I know you were planning the kitchen tea. Gonna need to change that to a baby shower. Christmas Eve, 24th, 6 p.m. Preach about the announcement of Jesus' birth from Joseph's perspective. Message is called, it's not what it looks like. (laughs) Telling you that so you can bring people. Because they're going to hear a message that's simple and deep. They're going to hear about a Jesus who is the Son of God and accessible. For them, for you, for me, for all of us. I said a very brief few minutes ago when I was at the beginning of this message on the stool that I'd give you an opportunity to make your decision to follow Jesus. Like I said, I grew up in the Catholic Church. That's not what we did. They did, we did, whoever did. But it's something that Jesus actually did. He, he would say to people, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Do you say I'm, I'm just a good guy, a moral teacher, or, or do you say I'm the son of God? I, I, like, yes or no? Who do, who do you say I am? And, 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 if, and if I am the son of God, how about you come follow me? How about you put your faith in me? How about you trust me? How about you start that relationship with me? And we teach this, if, not just if you were to die tonight or today. Um, we teach this, this, this idea that we can start a relationship with a God that's accessible today. Now, and I want to give you that opportunity if you've never taken that, that opportunity, if you've never said yes to following Jesus. So real simply, in a moment, all I want you to do, for those of you that, that, that need to and, and are ready to make that decision to say, yes, I want to follow Jesus, I just want you to put your hand up where you see it. When I put, see your hand, you can put it down. You Basically, you're putting your hand up to, to, to God, not to me. I'll see it, and then we'll just pray a simple prayer. So real quickly, for those of you that have yet to make that decision to say, Jesus, I will put my trust in you. I will follow you. Just slip your hand up and then I'll see your hand. You can put it down. Then we're going to quickly pray. You might have been a church person like I was growing up. It's not the question here. The question is about you personally following Jesus. If you haven't yet done that, put your hand up. 